Straight from WCHL Studio in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. It's the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show with Chris and C.L. Brown. Joining us tonight, the head coach of Carolina Baseball, Mike Fox. Also, NBA's Finals Talk and a potential NFL strike. Daddy, I don't know what all that stuff is, but I do know this. The next time you do a summertime song, I want to sing it. Okay? Okay. Sibling Rivalry Sports! Yay! This is another episode of the Sibling Rivalry Sports Haiku Reading with Chris Brown. Sports talk like fires fly. CL talk foul, me punch I. I know, shouldn't rhyme. This has been Sibling Rivalry Sports Haiku with Chris Brown. See? <laughs> Did you fail poetry in school? <laughs> I couldn't even get my CL out. <laughs> the look on his face, folks. A combination of disappointment and just, I don't know, just disgusted. <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> this is fun, CL. Fun for whom? <laughs> Come on now, fun for fun for you, CL. Fun for you, fun for us, me, viewers, listeners. You know, uh, and, and CL. I just want to just want to. We have a hit single, CL. You, you you got to recognize that the little intro ditty that we did. That thing has taken off. Start talking about hit singles, then you start worrying about publishing rights and uh, <laughs> royalties. So <laughs> you might want to get that off. <laughs> no, man. Let, wait, let's just take a listen, folks. Listen to this. So nice. So nice. I'm telling you. No, it, it, obviously not getting anything. I'm just saying people liked and, and are enjoying that, CL. That's all. Okay. That's fair. I when, like and enjoy it. When are we going to get you to sing, CL? <sighs> Never. All right. Never. Okay. We can keep looking forward then. Yeah, keep looking forward. <laughs> T- time. I've been looking forward to this, CL. Time for the big playback. This is the big playback. So, the NBA Finals tip off tonight. Golden State Warriors at the Toronto Raptors. It's it's old hand now for Golden State. This is their fifth straight Finals appearance, which hadn't been done since the Boston Celtics went at, from 1959 to 1966. Oh, wow. Uh, hmm. this, is, this is a... I mean, there's always the question, what if... Uh, Shaq and Kobe didn't break up in the sure. early 2000s. How many could they have gone to in a row? What if Jordan never took the the retirement break for two years in the 90s? How long would the Bulls streak have gone? There there are what ifs to consider in that or not consider. But mm-hmm. this is this is definitely in modern basketball. This is as impressive as it gets. True. Um, the funny thing about Vegas, they had during the Milwaukee and Toronto. Eastern Conference Final Series, the odds were, um, and, and they pit you know Milwaukee versus Golden State or Toronto versus Golden State, 
And the betting odds were were a lot closer if it was Milwaukee. Now, Golden State was still the favorite, but they're a big favorite over Toronto. They were, you know, uh, uh, it, it was more of a reasonable, I think, uh, I forgot the actual numbers involved, but it, it was like you had to bet big money to win little money if you're talking about Golden State and Toronto. Interesting. Well, does that that doesn't surprise you, does it? Um, a little bit, yes, because Kawhi Leonard's been the best player on the floor. Okay. So, um, and that includes what Steph Curry has done since since Kevin Durant went out for Golden State. I, th- I think Kawhi Leonard's had the best playoff run of anybody this season. So, um, so he's been impressive. And and normally in a basketball situation, the best player on the court, you know, uh, it doesn't mean he has the best team, but the best player right. on the court puts right. you in position. Uh, which obviously, LeBron James, <laughs> he he's the reason why we're not talking about the Warriors going for a fifth straight title because the year Golden State went seventy three and nine in the regular season, beating the Bulls' record uh, for NBA's uh, best record. Whatever. LeBron James, best player on the floor, led the Cavaliers back from three one deficit, mm-hmm. um, three to one games deficit to win that series. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, even with that blemish in this current run of five straight NBA titles, I think it's fair to ask the question of of where do these Warriors rank all time? Uh, I, I think I think without question, this is a a modern day dynasty. This run of, of five straight finals, um, mm-hmm. especially you know adding Kevin Durant to the mix after they had already. Won one and been to a final, um, uh, and he's arguably taking the mantle from LeBron James as the best player in the world uh, now. So, and then to oh, have him get hurt, uh, that could be a playback. Yeah, it could. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> to have him get hurt against Houston and still have they haven't skipped a beat. They went back to sure. you know the people, the teams for. Uh, People forgot about the team they were before KD came to the equation, and they're showing people right now (laughs) in terms of closing out Houston and then uh, going and sweeping Portland in in the Western Conference Finals. But I know you got feelings on this because I don't think anybody will top the Jordan Bulls for you, but have at it. Where where did it? Thanks for preempting my. (laughs) No, no, I had to hold up the uh, the WCHL pin here for this this phrase that's coming right here not so fast my friend not so f- i would not be so fast to mention golden state amongst dynasties yeah okay now now don't hear me wrong i am definitely saying that this is an incredible run which which causes them to be discussed as a dynasty cl but I, i'm just i'm not i'm not there in fact cl i have a nagging feeling I'm actually in this series. I'm going for them. Okay, I really like Curry, but I gotta say, I have a nagging feeling they are gonna lose in the in this series. And 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 I think it matters wins and losses. And that brings in your statement about Jordan and the Bulls. I just think until and, and of course the Celtics in that ridiculous streak. Of course, I would be a fool to doubt you know them as being heck the all time greatest with that. But I'm just saying, if if you're three and zero and three and zero, if you don't lose, if you don't have a three one lead and lose, which which destroys their their regular season record uh, over the over the Bulls, they they 
They didn't win. I think the Bulls were 87-13 and 13 when it all finished out. So the Bulls are still in that way on top. I, I just, uh, I don't know. I'm just not there, CL. CL, I want to ask you this. Who, who carried, just talk to me about a couple dynasties and talk to me about who their guy was. Like, like you know, for instance, imagine Johnson's Lakers, okay? That's him. Now, t- talk to me about that for a second. Well, um, I mean, I, I think first I want to bring up the point that I don't, I don't like comparing errors to to a certain degree because I mean we mentioned the Celtics from fifty nine to sixty six. There were there were like eight teams in the league, right? Sure. So and and the mechanisms weren't it's like in the place Bonaire league for exactly <laughs> the mechanisms weren't in place for free agency and, and things that would tug at a potential dynasty like today. Things sure. like things happen today, sure. and plus, eight teams. <laughs> yeah. That's that's not having, you know, uh, magic having Bird as a nemesis in the eighties. Because without the Celtics, who knows how many titles the Lakers would have won uh, during during Magic's heyday, or vice versa. Without without Magic and the Lakers being there, and and Dr. J and Philly coming in at, at times, who knows how many the Celtics would have won? So it it was just it, it's hard to compare. To, to compare the errors, but um, to to your question about who's who's the guy, um, I think that's what's interesting with with Golden State right now because um, Steph Curry in in terms of finals productions, mm-hmm. he hasn't won an MVP yet. He hasn't mm-hmm. been the guy, but I would say during the regular season, he's their guy. Sure. But you know, I mean. Uh, Kevin Durant won won the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, uh, uh, Clay Thompson has been effective. Mm-hmm. Andre Iguodala, who nobody would have probably suspected was the MVP of of their first championship, if I'm not not mistaken. So, uh, you know, it's 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 generally it's clear cut, but it's it's kind of funny how it's worked out with with because uh, you know you identify Jordan's Bulls like yes, nobody's sir. saying Pippen's Bulls or Kerr's Bulls <laughs> or or uh, Horace Grant's Bulls. Nobody's saying uh, it, it, maybe to a fault, but nobody's saying uh, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's Lakers during the eighties. Right. Um, yeah. I guess he was he was kind of telling off in his career anyway. But nobody says James Worthy's Lakers. It was Magic's Lakers. Sure. You know, um, same with Bird in Boston, and mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't Kevin McHale or Robert Parrish or any of those other guys. Mm-hmm. But but they all obviously played big roles in mm-hmm. in those teams sure. being successful. So. Mm-hmm. Well, but what? Why? Why is it important for you to identify the guy? Well, CL, just for me, when you're talking about dynasty, that's that's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about you know an incredible run, you know that doesn't have like major lapses. But I'm also thinking there there's a guy. I mean, that's what we just saw is a common denominator with these previous teams. There was a guy. There was a a guy, and and Curry. As much as I love him, the, the finals has not been his platform thus far. So I'm just saying, I'm just not there. There's no I in Dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's a why not? Why? No, I don't know. There's a nasty though. You got to be nasty, CL. Well, I, I I definitely just feel like we should we we need to appreciate what the Warriors are doing without getting caught up too much in where they stand historically. I think they what they've done to reach five finals has cemented their place historically in in NBA history. Uh, we will look back at this run, um, and I, I think they will be well spoken of with this run because it's it's not something that sure. could easily easily be duplicated. 
But um, do but you think yeah. it's if they win, Seal? If they win, or do you think regardless? Um, well, they have to win. They have to win. It's got to be because you know three and two, you slip into. Would you consider the Cowboys of the seventies a dynasty? They went to five Super Bowls, right? Great but example. They, Great example. Yeah. So. I'd say no. <laughs> Great teams, but you know you got Super Bowls you too. You got to finish yeah, some of them because Pittsburgh won two of those. Hey man, I won't begrudge that. I won't. But you know what so. I say about that? I say because there's no Ravens that allowed you guys. Whatever, to. man. <laughs> there were the Colts. <laughs> Moving on from that, we have a great show lined up for you. Uh, oh, yeah. University of North Carolina head, head baseball coach Mike Fox. Yes. Join us in this next segment to talk about the upcoming NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Keep it locked here on 97.9 The Hill Sibling Rivalry Sports Show. Coming back. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. I CL, I'm so excited about our guest. I can barely keep my seat. As you see, I have my little souvenir <laughs> Carolina baseball cap. Somebody left that in there. No, that is mine. I had to borrow it from my son because, do you know what? This, this holds ice cream normally. Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay, you know. Okay. So anyway, but we have with us a man who I, I really feel like he is one of the greatest people in athletics in Carolina history. But I think that I, I don't know that he gets I, I feel like sometimes he does not get the recognition that you would think comes with all his success. It's Coach Mike Fox from Carolina Baseball. Now let me just let me just give you a picture here, folks. He he he's one of only a few, a handful of men who has not only uh guided his team to the College World Series, but he, he played with his team in the College World Series, his alma mater. You know, he's he's in his twenty first 21st season as the skipper for Carolina baseball. Uh, seven trips to the College World Series since 2006. He's just all. How many? How many 40 and 50 win seasons can we possibly have, folks? He just he does. I think he's done it every season except for three. Seven. Well, 17 trips to the postseason in his 20 years at the helm, and then you can add one and one of those for this season as well. I could really go on for a long time. Yeah, I was about to stop you. Can we, can we bring him in now, Coach Fox? <laughs> I, I got five minutes worth more at Coach. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Good to, be, good to be with you guys. Thank you for that. We appreciate you joining us. Now, Coach, real quick, I just, you know, blast from the past, Coach. Here's why I'm such a big fan. Coach, you know what? When you are a great person and you treat people so well, it comes back to bless you. I'm sure this is a regular occurrence for you, Coach Fox. But back in, in the in the College World Series in 2007, you gave a small nobody type journalist an interview in the aftermath of that finals game so the game you know had that ended and Carolina did not come away with the win but you 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 talked to me you gave me an interview and you were so gracious and sincere that is over a decade ago that has stuck with me I've been the biggest fan ever since then. I just want to tell you thank you for that and really thank you for all you have done and do for this program. 
Well, I appreciate you you saying that. Um, you, you can you can thank my mom and dad uh, for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was taught uh, at a real young age. I think um, you know what goes up, you know, comes down, and um, things tend to come full circle, and you know, treat people as you want to be treated, that sort of thing. So. You know, God bless them for uh, you know giving me good lessons, and um, uh, I appreciate you appreciate you saying that, and I I do my best to pass that along to you know the next the next generation. But, um, so I appreciate that very much. Very true statement too, Coach, because your teams they they have character. That that team in particular that I, that I covered that that year, I remember Reed Frank was a great. Uh, guy to talk to and he just gave us a real insight to the character of the team how tight the team was and that seems to be a hallmark for you each of your teams they, they have something they rally around they have a specific character a unique character for that season what is the key team's identity and, and character this season well I think it probably has to be you know resiliency and, and you know and toughness and of course I think every team has to have have that this one um i think seems to have it um you know in abundance uh, just because of you know the journey we've been on and uh the college baseball season it can take all kinds of twists and turns and Mm -hmm. ups and downs and uh, you don't ever know and uh, and we and we talk about that before the season starts you know i have to remind these young kids you guys have it all scripted out in your head exactly how it's going to go who's going to play every day and you know this and that, and it, it it never works out that way just because of you know it's what you're dealing with injuries and all sorts of things. So I think just the fact that we've you know we started off 0 and 3 in the league, lost two one run games in the bottom of the ninth, one pitch away. So we get on the bus from Clemson and we're 0 and 3 in the ACC, <laughs> and then I think we lose our next game, so we're 0 and 4. So so there you go, and then we won 21 out of our last I think uh, 30. ACC games, so I tip my hat to the leaders on our team. It helps more. You you got juniors and seniors on your team that have been through, you know, have been through it the last couple of years. You can't teach experience, and so they didn't. They didn't wither. They didn't. They didn't waver. And and lo and behold, here we are. <laughs> That's right. Well, coach, this is CL chiming in. Um, this team, you've had teams in the past that were, you know, top top five all year, you know, dominated conference in the regular season and and went on to do things in the postseason. But this team seems a little different in that it it uh, as you mentioned, like you got off to the slow start. Um, it it didn't dominate the way you have in in the past. Uh, but you guys got it together and, and rolled off those four wins in the ACC tournament. How do you feel like this team has has kind of, uh, I guess the the character of this team has developed through those hardships to to get to a place where you go to the ACC tournament and you're believing that you can still win despite you know and I and I know losing to NC State uh, you know to end the regular season had to be kind of a uh, a bummer going into the ACC tournament but how, how do how do you feel like they adapted to just kind of let all that go away and still have the confidence they they needed to to win the ACC tournament well, I mean that's a great question, and um, you know I, I think it, it's it's like anything else in life. You know, you get knocked down, um, you have setbacks, you got trials, you got tribulations. I mean, what 
what are you going to do? I mean, how do you respond? And, you know, do you, you know, it's the old uh, fight or flight, um, you know, motto that you hear sometimes. I mean, do you, do you give in? Do you stop believing? Do you lose faith? Do you, you know, do you start blaming others? Or do you rally and lock arms and get in the boat and everybody paddle the same direction? I mean, fortunately, we have kids, like I said, I mean, we've got a number of players on this team that lost in the regionals in 17, all right? And number two national C, that was crushing. And then and won the regional in 18. So they've been on both sides. Well, they've been on both sides of it. So um, really one weekend uh, was not going to deter this team at all. Um, you know, losing uh, losing a weekend series, I mean, that happens. I mean, very rarely do you win all, all 10 of them or all 13 of them. It just doesn't happen in baseball. So I think it pulled our team together stronger. I think they're, they're a very close-knit, very tight-knit group. They really, really enjoy one another. And, and boy, thankfully so, because if not, those kind of weekends, they can, they can splinter you, and they can start to crack the shell, if you will. So... Um, but this team never I never sensed that whatsoever and so I'd have to say it's 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 making us stronger if if and nothing else and hopefully that bodes well, you know, in the regionals. What do you feel like is the, the more dangerous team to have in the postseason? The, the the team that's clearly been the number one target and and taking its shots and made through kind of that crucible or a team like you have this year that, that might be off the radar, off the pace a little bit, and maybe teams aren't uh, necessarily looking at North Carolina as the team to beat. But you guys obviously, as, as you stated, have the confidence and, and have the proof that you can get it done. Well, I kind of liked all during the year that we weren't re- we weren't really mentioned a whole lot, you know, during during the year, and um, which was perfectly fine with me. Um, and um, you know, so I don't know. I, I go back to I go back to my Wesleyan days, and um, we had some really really good good teams there for a while, and and weren't able to win, and, and probably one of my teams that was had to. The toughest regular season and barely snuck in the tournament. You know, we got hot at the right time in 1989 and won the national championship. So I'm hoping maybe that, you know, that might be the case um, this year. Who knows? But, you know, you, you, get, you sort of really have to turn the page now. Um, what's happened to all these teams up until this point doesn't matter. It truly is a, a new season. And, um, so, but you know, but I'm I'm just hoping that you know throughout the regular season, our players, um, you know, just continue to get mentally tougher. And you know, if you get behind, for example, in the first game, I mean, you just can't panic after the first inning, second inning, third inning. You just got to keep playing. And um, fortunately for me, I feel I feel confident our players have been there and done that, and they'll and they'll keep doing that this weekend. So, Coach, um, without asking you to give up the farm, uh, what is what is the strength of this team? Is it the pitching? Is it the bats? Is it the defense? What would you say? Well, it's. I mean, it's, if I if I had to pick one right now, it's certainly been our offense because we we've. I mean, we've scored we've scored more runs, hit more homers than. You know than we we have, and I think in previous seasons. You know, but we've, I mean, I think we've probably been known for our pitching, um, with the number of unbelievable you know pitchers that we've 
we've been fortunate enough to have in our in our program. Um, we lost Luca Delatri, you know, again this year after about you know a month into the season. Um, so we had to kind of regroup and retool our pitching staff, if you will. So um, we've been very inconsistent defensively all year. Although we we've had stretches where we have played really well, and I think that's going to be a really a key to you know to this weekend to, to having a chance to win at all um, um, because you know hitting comes and goes I mean it all, it's all dictated by that that guy on the mound for the other team so you, you've got to be able to win some two to one three to two games which we were able to do in the ACC tournament and mm-hmm. we won some high scoring games hit some home runs so we won sort of every way we came from behind in one game so I think the four games in the in the ACC tournament tournament probably typified our you know our regular season on how we won each game um so you know i, I want to say the strength of our team is is all three of those but um it, it needs to be in the tournament and i think you saw when we did when we did put all three of those phases of the game together which i think we did for a couple games in the in the tournament we were you know we were pretty good Okay. All right. And, Coach, so just to clarify for folks listening who might not be that familiar, so this this weekend is the regional, and that is sort of a winner's bracket format, you know, with four teams. And then after that is the super regional, which is the best of three. Is that right? That's correct. And then after that so is the college. They're down to 60. Yeah, the college world series. So they're down to 64 teams. There's 300 and some odd Division One programs. So, you know, when you get if you get to the tournament, if you get to sixty four, you know you can't take it for granted. Because uh, yes. there have been years when, when we haven't. So, we we relish being being in. I mean, I, I, maybe some people out there think it's just a you know it's kind of a given, but it, it's certainly not. I mean, there's a, the Texas of the world, the Arizona states of the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some, there's some powerful programs out there that don't get in, and, and and we didn't. You know, for two years in a row, that's the parity of, of college baseball. So. I mean, this is our tenth time in the fourteen years that we've hosted a regional, and somebody told me that the other day, and that was it was kind of mind-boggling to me. I, I I just don't count those kind of things. I just try to focus on the year at hand. But you know, you've got to win a fourteen double elimination tournament, uh, which tells you right out of the gate that game one is critical. If you lose game one, you got to win four mm-hmm. straight against really good teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, after this weekend, it'll be down to six. Uh, be down to um, sixteen teams. Mm-hmm. Best two out of three, and then those eight go to Omaha. Mike, I've I've found uh, in covering baseball teams and players uh, that you guys are uh, among the most superstitious lots of of <laughs> in, in sports competition. I was curious when when you're in this regional situation, how much do you? Just kind of go by gut, and how much is it? Do you go by the analytics of, of you know, you know, if you're normally switching out pitchers, going lefty righty, that kind of stuff. Like, how much do you rely on that, and how much are you like maybe maybe a bit superstitious, and you're like just like I have a feel, and this is what I'm going with. Well, first of all, I'm not I'm not superstitious, so. Um uh, I don't. I don't think um, um, in in that regard. But in in terms of just kind of planning how we're going to approach. I mean, the, obviously the best thing to do is not change a whole lot. Um, you got to be careful to do that. We do use a lot of analytics now. We put the shift on. We've got tendencies from all these teams. Um, my assistant coaches do an unbelievable job with that. 
but 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 some of it is gut. I mean, some of it is we need to go with this guy. We need to bring this guy off the bench. This guy looks like a good matchup. I think this guy's ready to you know come in and get us a fly ball, get us a run. Um, you still have to go by that. You have to go by what you've seen over the course of the last fifty nine or sixty games, and what kids are giving you in certain situations. Um, and, and do your darndest to, to try to put them in a good situation where they have a chance for success uh, and, and not vice versa. Um, you know, not all of a sudden just throw a kid out there in a, in a position or a situation where he's never been before just because it's a regional. But still, that being said, I mean, it's, you know, there's a very small margin of error here. So, um, for example, I mean, we're, we're not even worried about game two right now and who's going to start game two because if we need – Austin Bergner or Austin Love to pitch in game one to win, mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we will use them. Mm-hmm. So um, so in that regard, there is there is a little bit of difference, but um, as much as you can, just try to keep the status quo and let your, you know, let your kids play and trust, you know, trust the process and, you know, not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Saban fan just from the standpoint of the consistency of that program, so I try to read a lot of the things they do and what what their players say and you know it's just uh you know for example uh I sent our players last night we don't talk about winning championships we talk about being champions so that's a kind of a corny saying but it's like not talking about winning right just put yourself in a position to win and then the results will be what they are so try to approach it as just a you know, like you have every other weekend, as much as you can. Yeah, I like I like that distinction. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so what we're looking at this weekend, folks, is four teams: North Carolina, Tennessee, uh, Liberty, and UNC Wilmington. Uh, North Carolina will be playing Wilmington on Game One, two p.m. Friday, May thirty-first, at Bossomer Stadium, and that is the opening of this uh, the the regional. So, go ahead and tune in. Go ahead and and, and turn in. Come on out, folks, for that. It's going to be awesome. And and frankly, Coach, part of the thrill of the game for me is that all hands on deck mentality that you mentioned. You know, every game counts. Every game's important in this in this this tournament. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I, I, now here's my final question. Then we got to run out of here and let you go. But my final question is, out there lurking, you all are a number one seed, but out there in the country lurking is another number one seed, the Oregon State Beavers. Now, me personally, Coach, <laughs> I considered them like a Darth Vader, or, or, or these days, Coach, I guess it's Thanos. But anyway, I consider them to be, I can say, you know, that I consider them to be an arch rival. So what if, let's just say, uh, we jump ahead and, and things go great, and, and you, you make it to Omaha, and, and they're there. Is there a little piece of you? You that would like to go go heads up with them again? <laughs> well, I mean, if, you know, the competitor in me says, uh, you know, of course. Um, I and I understand why. You know, I was I was there in 06, right? I was there in 07. <laughs> <laughs> I was there last year, so um, you know, I get it. Um, but when you you know when you get it, it's it's just so hard to get to Omaha, and when you do, True. I mean. There's there's seven Oregon states waiting on you, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you will. So you know, it could have been, it could have been whoever in '06. It could have been whoever in '07. It just had, it just happened to be the same team back to back, and um, 
you know, but that was a long time ago. I mean, you got to remember the, uh, I mean, the kids, it's, it's all about the kids, right? You have to keep, you have to keep that first and foremost in your mind. It's all about the kids and on your team now. I mean, young men and mm-hmm. they, they don't even, they, I don't know how old they were. What was that? 13 years ago? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Six years old, seven, five years old, <laughs> you know, and, and good point in 06 and 07. So, um, you know, but again, some of them were there last year. They don't remember the history. All they know is, you know, we, we didn't win the national championship. Um, I don't think they think who knocked us out is just like we did as opposed to we didn't win. It was a, it's a goal of ours. So, um, uh, you know, I understand that. If uh, if they're there and, and we're there, then we'll match up and you know, and and we'll 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 see how it goes. They they have they have a great program, obviously. Yes. All right, Coach. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Coach Mike Fox leading the Diamond Hills into the regionals once again, eighteen out of twenty-one. Not bad, folks. Let's you know, let's give props where they're due, and and not become what's so easy to become as a fan, and that is uh, spoiled. So instead of becoming spoiled, appreciating what's happening, Coach. Thank you so much for joining us on Sibling Rivalry Sport. Thanks for joining us, Coach. Absolutely. Thank Thank you, guys. Uh, great to talk to you. And good luck this weekend. Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill, where we always chill. Chilling with Fox, the Fox, the the the, the Chapel Fox, the Hill Fox, CL. I don't think any of those nicknames work. <laughs> I'm glad you're telling it to me, though, and didn't throw those out while he was on the phone. But... Uh, <laughs> We got college basketball news in a way that that is seems a bit strange even for for this late you know on the calendar, um, but uh, you know, and we don't even have time to get to Will Wade at LSU and him uh, his non denial denials <laughs> during the, the SEC meetings, but we had an interesting development with with. R.J. Hampton, who was the number five recruit in in uh, this class of 2019, who decided he's going to skip college altogether. And this wasn't a situation where uh, he wasn't qualified and wasn't going to be eligible and that kind of thing. He was he was good to go. He could have gone anywhere. His final schools, I think, were, were Kansas, Memphis and Texas Tech were his final three. Um, maybe Kentucky's there. I don't remember. But it, it was it's been talked about as if. Maybe this will be a new trend. Maybe, maybe guys are going to because when he got in front of a microphone and, and on ESPN when he made his announcement, he said his dream was never to go to college, um, or never to play in college. I should say his dream was just basically to get ready and play in the NBA one day. Mm-hmm. And he feels like going to he's playing in Australian pro league for the for the New Zealand Breakers. Uh, he feel like this is going to prepare him better for the NBA than a year in college would. Um, just that premise alone, forget about whether this is going to be a trend or not. What, what do you think about 
can that will will that prepare him better than a year in college? So, see, that's difficult for me to answer. Wait, wait. Are you saying only basketball-wise? Is that what you're saying? Um, well, yeah, let's just stick to basketball. I still don't think so. I'm sorry. I still don't think so because I just believe in, on the college level, the ability to learn, the focus on learning and teaching, whereas it seems like on a professional level, the focus is more on experiential learning, whereas, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just value that, the teaching element. Yeah. Well, I don't. <laughs> I I know because they're paying them, right? I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. I do value the teaching element, but I also feel like you you can learn while you're getting paid. You can learn under that circumstances. But it's it's like I see pros and cons on on both ways because you look at Zion Williamson. Sure, if he would have been able to come out of high school last year, he would have been a lottery pick. Um, you know, uh, he wouldn't have been the number one overall pick because at this time last year we were talking about R.J. Barrett as being that guy. True. And and Zion built his brand. I mean, he already had it, it, from the dunk mixtapes or whatever. He always already had a certain uh, a, a certain cachet mm-hmm. before going to Duke. But playing at Duke, mm-hmm. playing on national TV mm-hmm. as many times as they did, making the plays he made, he exploded. Like sure. that, that like brought that him shoe. to a he whole. Exploded just like <laughs> <laughs> that brought him to another level. And you can't get that. Nobody's going to remember. Nobody's going to check on R.J. Hampton. You know what I mean during during the year. The pro scouts will, of course, but nobody. You don't in, think so? No, nobody's going to check for him because. How many times did you did you check on Brandon Jennings when he went uh, and played overseas? His instead of going to college back in uh, back in '08, he was the number one number one recruit in the nation in 2008, mm-hmm. and uh, his situation yeah. was was one where he kind of had to go. Right, um, that's you know, what makes us different and, and interesting. Yes, yes. Terrence Ferguson. Emmanuel Moutier, who was supposed to go to SMU a couple of years ago. Jeremy Tyler was a kid uh, out of San Diego who well, I was at Louisville, covering Louisville when uh, he committed. Um, skipped. He decided to skip his senior year of high school and go play. I think he started off playing in Israel as a professional. And we don't we don't hear his name now, do we? I think he might be in in Japan playing professionally now uh, after after a brief stint in the NBA. So it's it's not guaranteed success mm-hmm. first and foremost, which is why I don't think it will become a trend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and everybody isn't built just to go thousand miles overseas somewhere sure. and right. and kind of establish That's themselves. Uh, but um, but I also don't feel like. People should just readily dismiss it as mm-hmm. as you know college basketball is the only way to go and mm-hmm. the only way to develop. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm rooting for the kid, but I'm not going to pay attention to him either once college basketball season starts. Wait, wait, see, what if he has wild success? What if he goes over there, does well, and then all of a sudden the NBA is is dying for him? Then do you think we're, we're looking at a trend? Um, that will make people more interested, yes. But the thing is, in a couple of years, we're, they're probably going to – all the momentum is saying that they're going to switch the rule, That's the one-and-done rule in the NBA, and that they'll be picking kids out of high school again. And so once that happens – then that's there won't be over people going overseas in all likelihood uh, in, in that manner. And there's still the whole thing with the G League too in terms of giving these enhanced contract. That might be a, an enticement as well because 
anything that's going to keep kids in the states, they're probably going to lean towards that more, what they're familiar with, sure, than sure. going overseas. I can't help but have an image in my mind of Moses Malone going, where was all this? <laughs> hey, man. Yo, man. <laughs> All right, we're going to come on back, too. We have football to talk about, so please give our sponsors a good ear and a good listen, and come on back to Sibling Rivalry Sports 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports. We're going to get right into it. It is time to talk a little bit of football. CL, another interesting development. Yeah, I usually don't like trying to project way in advance like this is kind of projecting, but I thought it was interesting. The NFL Players Association Executive Director, DeMarie Smith, sent out an email, according to a story in the uh, Sports Business Journal, that said the union is advising its players. He sent out, out the email to NFL agents saying the union is advising players to plan for a work stoppage of it at least a year. Mm. I thought that wording in particular was interesting, but at least a year in length when the collective bargaining agreement ends after the 2020 season. So we're talking about 2021 mm. as a potential strike year mm. for the NFL. What do you think about that? I think you'll be very sad. I think you would be just really sad and unable to just function. That's that's what I think. Meanwhile, back in this universe, <laughs> that's one of those alternate universes from from the, the, for Marvel. But uh, back in this universe, no, you know what, CL. Um, uh, that was you said that was interesting language when he said uh, at least that's Twitter language to me that that obviously clearly you know he knew that would get out and that's part of the juxtapositioning that happens CL um, I, I don't believe it's going to happen but I, I have a point but go ahead you got well I was going to say juxtaposition or um, just signaling that we're going to dig in this time like we're 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 not going to bend we're not going to settle because I mean let's be real the NFLPA among major league sports is the weakest to me the weakest players union sure you know sure. um they need to do something. <laughs> they right. need to be getting a bigger piece of the pie, first mm-hmm. and foremost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you've seen it kind of in in spots, NFL guys kind of looking at NBA contracts, especially guys who aren't superstars mm-hmm. making long dough. And like, yo, and that's guaranteed money? Mm-hmm. And we don't get that over here? Like, I, I think... I think there might be a bit more resolve to the players uh, digging in this time than in the past. Perhaps, perhaps there will be. And I do agree that, you know, they need to get a bigger piece of the pie. I agree with that. Now, here's here's a big wild card that I think will be in the favor of the owners, and that is the XFL. If it's going to be 2021, the XFL technically would have two seasons under their belt. And the whole reason, you know, a, a, a major purpose for a lot of players in that mix is we want an NFL look. So, and the XFL is going to start off with eight, and then they're going to expand. So, what if they're going to be in these major markets too? What if it happens? NFL players step back. XFL's like, hey, yo, here I am. Is the XFL playing in the fall? No. Exactly. It, did, did, will the XFL go after the Aaron Rodgers of the world and have those guys playing in their league? Yeah, they're going to try. They're not going to get them, but they're going to try to see Well, them. My, my point is you go to these games to see the best players in the world. You sure. don't go to see 
you know, average players who didn't make the NFL, but now they're playing in the NFL because the NFL players are on strike. You you don't go to see oh, that. Yeah. Yeah, no. you're right. You're right. So so I I mean the the NFL owners might try that as as a temporary solution, but I don't think the public is gonna buy it. I don't think some of the public is going to buy a CL. It's that age-old argument that we had to sit through as kids where they get mad because players – not everybody's going to think like – they're going to – folks are going to get mad that players – you're already a millionaire. What are you doing? Which, which is always strange to me why people side with billionaire owners just off top. But Because they want to so, see their stuff. You know what? I, I think I'd have to go back and look at the attendance figures from those games and, and the ratings NFL – TV ratings from what was it eighty seven the right. the last yeah. time they went on strike to see because my memory was that state it's not like stadiums were full they were like a couple of places I feel like Washington, Washington. was one of the yeah. places where Washington. people still came but totally but they made out, a movie about that yeah but outside of that I, I don't think there are just people clamoring you know. Not clamoring, but I don't know. You're right. The attendance will drop, but the, the owners will. Would you agree that the owners will surely use that if that's what happens? And that's going to draw the whole thing out. Well, and and that's why at least a year was the wording. But I mean, I'm telling you, man, you don't you want to see Tom Brady? You want to see the big names? You don't want us to see people filling the uniform. CL, I want to see Tom Brady, but Tom Brady don't want to see the Ravens this year. <laughs> now, CL. And with that, <laughs> with that, we got to go. Uh, another that was great perfect. show. I got to give it to you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> wow. Let's keep that on record, folks. All right. Uh, hey, thank you all for tuning in. This has been great fun, and we're going to keep doing it. My name is Chris Brown. I'm CL Brown. And this is Sibling, Sibling Rivalry, Rivalry Sports. Sports on 97.9 The Hill. See you next week.